Is there somebody you love in prison today, in jail, in holding, incarcerated? How are you doing with that? If you're a mom or a dad, I want to hear from you, whether you're in the middle of that experience or on the other side of it. I want to hear what helped in this process of watching your son or daughter walk behind those walls and stay there. Did you carry that load alone? How did you talk with others about it? Did you keep it a secret or try to? A month ago, back before Christmas, we got a call from a mom who said something I haven't been able to forget. And I want you to hear a little of her story today at the Radio Backyard Fence. And then it is your turn. This is Chris Fabry Live online at chrisfabrylive.org. Our teammates behind the scenes, Ryan McConaughey is doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby D will be answering your calls today and helping out as well. Joe, the prayer guy. Thank you, Joe. Which is the perfect transition to our thank you this month. If you support this here program, we have a week and a day left. Don't miss this one. Call or click through today. We'd love to send you a copy of a little book with a big promise, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. If you want to pray, but you feel like you're spinning your prayer wheels in the mud, you get distracted, you feel like you're praying the same prayer over and over, the enemy wants you to give up. The enemy wants you to believe God's not ready to listen to you. God doesn't love you if you don't pray the right thing. You you have to have a spiritual, special key to unlock the door to God's heart. That's what the enemy wants you to, to think. Read this book. Let this book read you. There's so much scripture in here and so much encouragement. I know it'll help you. It's been a great help to me. How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Give a gift of any size. 866-95-FABRY is the number. 866-953-2279. Or go to chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down. you see how you can be a friend or a partner right there. And support the program. Keep us going here day by day. Chris, and it with each passing moment, chrisfabrylive.org. I knew when I heard Wendy's voice and the story you were about to hear that we had to do a whole program on this. We've talked about it before here at the Back Fence. We touch on it with callers who mention that somebody they love, you know, some family member or friend they love is behind bars right now. But I have a feeling there's somebody listening today who needs to hear what we're about to talk about. Maybe it's you. 11 days before Christmas, our topic was when Christmas doesn't feel like Christmas. People had gone through some big losses and celebrating just wasn't on the radar. So we had a good conversation. We had some friends join us. And at the end of the program, I referred to a caller that I had seen on the screen who was on the line, but we didn't have time to get to her. I mentioned her her predicament, you know, the, when Christmas didn't feel like Christmas. So after we went off the air, I told Ryan to hit the record button. He did. <laughs> and I told Wendy, I was sorry that we didn't hear her story. And I asked her to tell me what was on her heart, what she wanted to say. And I want you to listen just a couple of minutes into this. Listen for the presence of humor in the midst of the tears, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the tension. It caught me off guard when I heard her story, listen to what Wendy had to say. Well, my boys were both making bad choices. This is almost 15 years ago. And I had one boy that was in South Carolina in jail already. And 
we were going to go look for a Christmas tree the next day, and my youngest son was the one who always helped me decorate, and the cops came and picked him up. Mm. And so I had both the boys in jail that Christmas, and we'd already been going through a lot of really hard things, and I'd been growing, I mean, just immensely in, in the way that God had carried us through all of it. And um, we've been able to laugh at a lot of things when the hardships come. And I oftentimes will tell people that was my worst Christmas and my best Christmas because it was horrible to have both the boys where they were. But at the same time, God had carried us through it. And I've been able to help other young moms that are going through some of the same thing with their kids and tell them that you can get through it. And both of my boys now are doing well. They're both really good men, uh, good dads, good husbands, and they are the best sons I could ever ever imagine having. Um, They are so good to me. Yeah, it's awesome. Does your son still help you with to put the ornaments up? Well, actually, what happened was I told my husband, I just can't put the Christmas tree up this year. I just can't. And we had gone away to my sister's because uh, I just, I couldn't even stay home. And I, we went to my sister's and she had a Christmas party for her neighborhood. And I, I went and I joined in on that. And when we were there, there had been a bunch of septuplets that were born in, in Iowa. And people were talking about that and how it would be to have, you know, that many kids getting driver's licenses and you know, all these other things. And, and I looked at my husband and I said, you know, we'd have to have our own wing in the jail at this point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and we didn't really stay home a whole lot. Um, I had some of my coworkers that knew what was going on and they came to my house and they sang Christmas carols and they brought me just a little Christmas tree that was you know, all decorated and stuff. And that meant so much. And, you know, it's like, what do you say to people when they, everybody wants to know how the family is doing and everything. And it's like, what do you say to people? And they're they're both in jail, you know? And so we said, well, you know, you could always say that they're studying law or they're working for the county. Um, You know, we had a whole bunch of things that came up, you know, and, but, you know, you cry and you laugh and you cry some more and you, you do get through it. And God carried us through that time. Yeah. Yeah. And and just because you, you know, the humor helps just because you get, you have humor there doesn't mean that you're not hurting. You know, no. just because you can laugh at, at that guy, you know, especially the, <laughs> at the wing of the jail, you know, if you had six kids. Yeah. Uh, just because you're laughing at that doesn't mean that it's not hurting, but it does. It almost, it feels like to me, Wendy, that, that you, you allow a little bit of hope to enter in when you laugh. Yes, definitely. And, you know, like I said, God had been bringing me through so many things and I was learning how to leave them in God's hands. It it was a hard time, but you know, like I said, now they're both God-fearing men. And I mean, they call me at least once a week 
uh, when I see them in church and stuff, they always have big, tight hugs for me. And they just show so much love to me now. And they said, Mom, you know, no matter what went on, we always knew that we could come home. 15 years ago. And she said, I was growing. God carried us. I was learning how to leave things in God's hands. And that's Wendy's experience looking over her shoulder, looking back, seeing seeing what has happened now. What about you? Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you are right in the middle of it, and you're having a hard time handling the incarceration of your child. What is the most helpful thing for you? Have you felt that? Did you, did you identify with anything that Wendy said? Is God carrying you now? I want you to call me, 877-548-3675. I want to give you an opportunity to tell a little of your story and respond to what Wendy has said. And what about that humor? I had, um, I had Ryan said, Ryan, take out the laughter. It doesn't feel right to me that we can laugh like that. At the, when Wendy delivered that line about the sex tuplets and a wing of the jail. And then as I listened to it, it was like, no, wait a minute. That's, that was a real genuine thing that happened in, in her story where she is now. And the laughter was able to give a break from the heaviness and from that season of her life where she wasn't taking herself. I'm not going to explain it, but it just it just felt real to me. But it may not be where you are today. Sherry wrote this. It was so hard. I couldn't go to church. I felt like such a failure. My son is sober now. Thank you, Lord but I haven't been back to church. And that's one of the things that I want to discuss here too. And that is when you have someone who is in prison in jail, locked away, it's very easy then to isolate and to pull back and to, and, and the enemy wants, wants you isolated and to pull back. But you get out there with other people and it's really, really difficult because you got to answer the questions. Well, what, what are they in for and how long are they going to be in? And What's your experience with this? 877-548-3675. I think your story is going to help somebody else listening today who cannot call in. 877-548-3675. I want you to give some encouragement to somebody who is right in the middle of it today. They have a son or a daughter, maybe grandson, granddaughter, a precious friend, whomever, who is incarcerated, and they're living in the middle of this, and it's an everyday thing, and they're worried, and they're praying, and I just want to talk with you about your experience. Did God carry you? like Wendy was talking about, 877-548-3675. First up is Shirley. Shirley, I'm glad you called us today, and um, 
I just, can you tell me what your response is to what Wendy said? Well, when Wendy was uh, making uh, that humor with the, uh, the what, sex tuplets or whatever or it, in prison or something like that, uh, I, I, and the laugh came, and I could only think of myself and, and my son's situation because it's just the two of us, and uh, I have no other children. And I'm always saying, I, I would say and laugh, that if, if he could have his druthers, I would have been right in the cell with him. Oh, yes. <laughs> because, you know, he, he's just, it's just, you always say, it's me and you, me and you, you know, and so that's, uh, that was, a, I would laugh about it, but, you know, that's the kind of stuff that kind of would keep you going and know that you have to do something different, you know, yes. from to, not to pacify the situation, but rather just try to see what you can do to encourage him as well as pick myself up, you know. Right. Isn't that the truth, though, that you, you feel, you almost feel like you are there with him, right? I do. I do. I, but but I, I tell him I don't want to serve the time with him. <laughs> I really don't. But, but you kind of do anyway, but uh, you find ways to make uh, the next day better than the day before. So how— how do you handle it, though? How do you handle Because when you go to sleep at night, I'm sure you're praying him for him, you're saying by name, you wake up in the morning, you're doing the same thing, and it's with you all day long, right? That's right. I mean, it's, it, it, it's like that little uh, cloud or dust is always with you, uh, and you just find a way to make it work. So it, it has been very difficult for me because uh, I've gone through like a transitional period with this where he was uh, in a uh, detained facility, a county facility, but now he is actually in a state facility. So uh, we've gone from one stage to the next, and so he's not, you know, just the fact that he's not as involved in my life as he once was. Right. You know, and just getting through it, uh, what has truly, truly helped me and been the biggest encouragement is my relationship with the Angel of Hope program and the Women of Hope uh, through the Chicagoland Prison Outreach uh, programs that they offer. And I, I get these daily devotionals, which are like lifesavers. Some days, you know, it's speaking to me, to my heart, from my heart and everything else. And uh, I had gotten to the point where I would just look forward to before I uh, 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 open my phone to anything else. I would look for those so that I could get started with my day. And um, and just you just look for ways to just kind of change some things that you had been doing. People don't make it easy for you either, you know, in terms of the coping because they, they look to you as if you're obligated to tell them details and things like that. And you have to step away from, from things like that that drag you down, yes. you know. So the... The angels of hope then give keeps you from being isolated. You are connected with somebody who knows what you're going through, knows where you are, and is given daily encouragement. Right? Yes, that is so true. And 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 the people that you, uh, the new community that you build with with all of these folks who I love so dearly, uh, the uh, camaraderie that we get from one another as well. You just feel like, uh, you just feel the sincerity and the 
the the heartbeats and and all of that and we look at each other without judgment and we talk to each other just looking for those special words or just you know having conversations that are very positive and uplifting uh with uh little, little nuggets that you can pass on to you know uh your loved one that's incarcerated as well and yes. you just keep take the things you learn from them and just try to incorporate that into your bring them into your conversations you know somehow see that's what the enemy loves to get you feeling like nobody knows I'm I'm all alone with this and then you get somebody come alongside you like Becky Becky DeBoer is co-leader of Angels of Hope and organizer of Women of Hope, which are ministries of Chicagoland Prison Outreach. Becky, uh, talk about what Wendy said and also what we heard Shirley say. Respond to them. Yeah, um, you know, we we originally started doing this thinking we were helping others. Um, but I just have to say that, like, um, we, we've grown to love these women and— um, we get blessed every time we go out and visit with them. Um, we, we've just we've gotten so close. You know, Joni Joni does send those um, those daily devotionals. Um, we go, we go out every two weeks to go visit them, and we look forward to our visits. Um, I guess I, uh, let's see what else can I say? No, I love what you're saying, and here's maybe the yeah. whole reason we're doing this, Becky is mm-hmm. because I know this is in Chicagoland Prison Outreach, but if there's not a ministry like this in some other area of the country, it does. you don't have to have a, a science degree or a, you know, a doctorate in this. You have to have a heart that's open to minister to other people. And a lot of times it's you think of the prisoner, the person who's incarcerated, the ministry to them. And thank God that there are chaplains and, and there are those who do that. But what about those who are on the outside hurting? That's who you're an angel of hope for, right? Right, right. And, you know, I always say I don't have that many gifts. I'm a nurse, and I just like my my gift is that I like to share love, and this was that's exactly what this was. We just go to their homes and show them that we love them. You know, sometimes some of them have so many problems, and you think I got to try to find a, a solution for all these problems. And Corey, our executive director, um, keeps reminding us we're not there to solve all their problems. We're just there, there to show the love of Jesus. Yes. And that takes the pressure away, you know, and right. it allows God to do what he's going to do. I want to I want to ask you again, Shirley, what has that meant to you uh, from the time in the time that your son has been incarcerated? Uh, well, definitely. Uh, I, I've had to find a lot of inter- I, I have met with a lot of internal growth, you know, uh, for myself and uh because of uh, some of the conversations that we've had uh, since he has been incarcerated, I've, we've learned a lot more about one another. So I think that's a big part of, of the growing and, and, and taking care of some of the pain within, when, within families when things happen. You have to, at some point, try to understand why or how the, why this happened, when it happened, or how. I, and I say the, the why and when because... Uh, my son was an older, older adult, you know, uh, who found himself in trouble. And, and I, I'm a senior mom, you know, so uh, that part. So, so 
really, so what, what you you just do? That's what I found within myself. It's just a lot of things I've learned about myself, and I've learned to listen a little bit more, pay attention to signs and and that that little thing that's in your gut, and also just taking that time to. Um, uh, that quiet time that you really need because God, I've learned that God really whispers in this noisy, noisy world that we're in. And we need that quiet time to meditate or whatever, just to to just kind of feel that. And w- once you do, it's such an overwhelming feeling. You, you can't wait to get out and like kind of shout it from the rooftops almost. And I'm a person, I love sharing uh, anything that I've learned or or, or expressing myself based on something that has happened. And so those are the things that I do. And I'm always, uh, people are always saying, I'm always dropping these little nuggets of wisdom. So those are the things I do. I also, uh, one thing that helps me, Chris, to get through the day almost daily is really, I don't know uh, how many people are familiar with the serenity prayer, but that is something that when I find myself just kind of like, all over the place or whatever, I just remind myself, you know, to just recite that out loud. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that is so important. You have to be able to separate those. Yes. And the being able to live in the tension between not having him out, you know, it can be it can be very easy to say, well, once the sentence is served and he's out, then everything, but that keeps you in this holding pattern and God wants to do something in you. <laughs> I know you agree with me and Shirley and Becky, God wants to do something in, with, in your heart today and in his heart too, uh, whoever that person is that's incarcerated. So Shirley, God bless you, friend. Thank you for for sharing a little of your story. Becky DeBoer is co-leader of Angels of Hope. She organizes Women of Hope for the Chicagoland Prison Outreach. We'll get information about that uh, to you in case it's something that you want to replicate or so you, you hear this. And who knows, maybe that's why we did this program today, that God will use it in your heart and life for somebody else who's walking that really difficult trail. Uh, Sandy is in Michigan. Sandy, why did you call today? Oh, hi, uh, Grace. Thanks for thanks for um, accepting my call. <laughs> I was this is my first time calling you, but I listen to you every day. Um, I was actually waiting for this kind of talk that, um, in your radio because I kind of want to share my, you know, sorry. <laughs> I'm already sorry. Um, it's just hard for me to talk about it, you know, about my son. I have one son, and yeah, he is incarcerated, and um, stopping like had ten years to go or something. I visit him once a month, and you know, it breaks my heart every time I, you know, I, I think that he's there. But on the other hand. I pray every day that I thank him to God that he put him in there because I feel like he is more safe in there than being out because of things he has done and that I cannot, you know, I can't help him. 
and I tried. We tried him and his dad. We're, we're divorced, but he's a good dad, and we both tried and tried for oh gosh, probably since he was seventeen. He's like twenty nine, twenty nine now. So um, I was just wanted to share that you know to everybody that you know the moms like me have kids incarcerated that you know. We just have to hang in there, I guess, and leave it to God, you know, that someday hope and pray that God would transform them to be a yes. better person, a better man, you know. Yes. So, I don't know. <laughs> you, did, you did it beautifully, Sandy, and the thing that strikes me is that the, you you began your story by saying, that you gave thanks to God <laughs> that your son is in prison because he's safer there than where he was. And to yeah. be able to get over that hurdle and to say, even even though this is not what you would choose for him, that you're thanking God that he's there and that he's safe, you know, whatever that means for him, I think that's yeah. that's huge. I'm so glad you called. Well, I just- Obviously, it's not, you know, 100% safe there because not yes. everybody's, I'm not saying everybody's bad there, but, you know, it. But what he's been through, what he's been doing all these years, that's what I felt like. I felt like he's more safe there. I tell you what, Chris, one, one night when he was... Okay, I want you to tell me this off there. the air. Hang on a second, because I got to take a quick break here. Sandy, you hang on. I want to hear that story one night. And did you hear what she's praying for, for her son? Transformation. Not just a a home makeover, but transformation from the inside out. That's what God loves to do. We have more stories straight ahead on Moody Radio. Encouragement for those who have loved ones, especially children or grandchildren who are incarcerated. That's what we're talking about. How do you get through that? How do you not isolate and and protect yourself from all the questions or the feeling of scrutiny? Sandy was telling me in the break, one night, she said, as soon as you said one night, it's like, you got me, Sandy. I got to hear this. She said, one night... He was her son was in trouble and she just cried out to the God to God, cried out to the Lord and said, Do what you have to do. I want you to decide what's best for him. And she had prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally there was that moment of surrender for her when she kind of laid him on the altar, and it wasn't long after that that then he was uh, he was arrested and then went through what he's going through right now. It's the same prayer that Angela Yuan had for Christopher, who was running very, very far away from God and finally met God in, in prison, but through, through a Bible that somebody had thrown in the trash can. He picked up a Bible and he started reading it. Uh, that's, that's kind of the humor of God and the way that he can invade a heart and a life. But that prayer, that surrendered prayer, is something that can actually, for the parent, you can feel guilty about it because my my son or daughter wouldn't be in jail if it, you know if I hadn't prayed that prayer. 
But that's, I, and I want to address that with Carol Kent. And you've known Carol, we've had Carol on so many times. And I love having you on here, Carol, because you know exactly what our listeners are thinking about, what our callers are talking about. Respond to what Sandy just said. Well, Chris, what a privilege it is to to listen to the women who've shared. And as I heard Sandy saying, you know, I Lord, I give them to you. I don't know what to do. Do what you have to do in his life. I think every mother or father who has ever dealt with a child who is in total rebellion against the Lord, who makes a devastating choice that was not God-honoring, comes to that point of saying, help me, Jesus, I don't know where to turn. And I think that is the, the very beginning of having some answers and solutions that direct us toward God's Word, His truth, and when we get to that place of, of giving to God what we can no longer control, I call it a relinquishment or laying my Isaac down and just saying, Lord, um, I've done everything I can do. And, and now help me to be the woman or the man you want me to be in the middle of this situation. And I think the, the bottom line of what I see here today is real women telling real stories. We've had Wendy, we've had Shirley, we've had Sandy, and they've been honest to a whole lot of people over the airwaves today about what their journey has been, and that opens up other people to share their stories. And we, we can share what we've learned from God's Word together. We can pray for each other, and suddenly there is a freedom and an unexpected joy in our journey. And I wanted you to deal with that whole isolation thing, Carol, because mm-hmm. uh, our featured resource today is is your book, When I Lay My Isaac Down. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, it's a great resource. We've talked to, and she has uh, others as well. But that isolation to pull back, uh, Wendy mm-hmm. had said that too. It's like, because, you know, what do you say? And, and you don't, you know, <laughs> it's really hard. Mm-hmm. How do you not isolate? Well, I think the natural inclination is to not tell our secrets that we think someone might disapprove of, or perhaps they'll think that we are the reason that that child made that bad mistake. And suddenly we have bad mama on our forehead and a tattoo. And so we have to come to that place of saying, I am going to be real. I had a woman come up to me after a speaking engagement and she whispered in my ear, my husband's been incarcerated for the last 18 years and nobody knows he's getting out in one month. And I said, is he coming home to live with you? She said, yes, we're going to try to make a go of it. And then finally she looked at me and she said, but I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to tell other people what we've been through because I want to give them hope the way you've given me hope today. And when we get to that point of saying, it's okay if a few people judge me, it's okay if somebody turns their back on me, I know that if I'm honest and real about my journey, that it will be a way that others can say, this is what happened to me in my life. And my husband, Gene, and I have had that happen over and over again with people who've come to us 
And once we start opening up about our journey, it's like this whole uh, opportunity for ministry opens up as people say, I, I didn't know I could talk about this out loud. And I want to encourage every listener out there today who has an incarcerated child to find at least one other person they can share their journey with. And then, Chris, didn't you love it when Wendy talked about laughter? Yes. And it was almost like we didn't expect it. Yes. And, yes. and it's just almost shocking because we somehow feel like it it makes the victim uh, less important or that we might be frivolous about something that was so so very horrible or heinous. But what it does, it's a valve that's released in us, and we find out we can breathe again. And we never laugh because we show disrespect for the person who was wronged. We laugh because it's an outlet. And I remember one day somebody said, we're going to the facility instead of the prison to see our son Jason's associates instead of saying the inmates. And we laughed out loud, and it almost surprised us. But it's in the middle of it all. You have to find a splash of joy, or you will break in two. And our son has been incarcerated for over 24 years now. And if we didn't find those occasional places where we can have this this laughter, where we actually can can find something that there's humor in, I think that we would have ourselves probably in a mental institution because you just can't be that much in grief all the time. And there has to come a point when you can start to take in air and breathe again. And that's really from God. That little sliver, when she shared that of her life, it was such an intimate humorous thing between her and her husband. And my thought after, you know, after a month of thinking about it, my thought is this is how they, they made it through. This was part of the grace of God that allowed them to to laugh at, you know, people having septuplets and what if all of our kids, you know, and to be able to, the valve is, is the, and, and the, and the joy is absolutely there. Now here's one more question for you. Um, the hope, the hope that you have, is not in the release of your son. The hope that you have is not in down the road, this might happen or that might happen. I mean, I, I, I do hope that you have that hope. But the mm-hmm. real hope that you have is today God is at work in my life. Today God is at work in his life and in his associate's life they are there mm-hmm. in the yeah. facility. Um, and and God good. is good and God is going to do something in me because of this awful situation that I don't want, but I want to be all here right now, right? Oh, so good. And and you really hit the nail on the head. I think we all need to acknowledge that our lives will be different from our expectations, and that can be a terrible disappointment. So I, I tell people, feel free to grieve your losses. God understands that. Life will be different, but then start connecting with people you can trust and be honest about your journey. And uh, I found that when we were visiting at the prison just two weeks ago, there's a a family there that comes to visit their son. 
And the father's been diagnosed with Parkinson's and Lewy body dementia. And he has gradually gone downhill physically. And I watch his incarcerated son holding his hand and praying with him and, and just clutching at him. And my heart breaks, but in the middle of it all, I see his precious mama. And she's covered in these amazing tattoos that are Bible verses and they are in inside crosses and hearts. I mean, she's a walking testimony, literally, and she laughs a lot. And I say, Lord, you have given to that family such a balance of laughter and tears. And uh, Chris, I know you, you know the writings of Tim Hansel. He says, I've survived because I've discovered a new and different kind of joy that I never knew existed, a joy that can coexist with uncertainty and doubt, pain, confusion, and ambiguity. And we find hope not because there is going to be this miraculous miracle of release for our son in this lifetime, but we have hope because on this unexpected journey, we can have an opportunity to meet people we never would have met under normal circumstances and share Jesus with them. We can help know what the needs are in prisons and jails today and connect people to resources that can help them. Chris, I have no doubt that I wouldn't have spent any time at all in a jail or a prison if my son weren't incarcerated. And this has opened up a whole new ministry for me because I'm there grieving with those who grieve. I'm there hugging those who need a word of encouragement and just to know somebody cares. And do you know what? My Christmases are all spent behind the razor wire eating our Christmas dinner out of the vending machines and the food window. And you know what? It's not so bad when you're with the people you love. And then you look around and say, who in this room needs help more than I do? And you go over there and you start a discussion and you put a hand on an arm of somebody who feels discouraged. And Chris, every time I do that, I leave the facility feeling so uplifted in spirit because suddenly it's not all about me and how happy I can be in my lifetime with all the good things that happen. It's about what we can do for others and how we can point them to hope because Jesus is the answer. Bingo. And that's the transformation that we heard about a little bit ago. The transformation mm. that goes on inside the person who you know doesn't know Christ and and is incarcerated, we pray for that. But there's also this inner transformation that goes on in the hearts and the lives of those who are doing the grieving process. Who say, "Okay, God, I've surrendered that person, you know, who's in jail, who's incarcerated. Now I want to surrender. I want you to do something in me." That's what Carol has written. Carol Kent has written in When I Lay My Isaac Down. It's our featured resource at chrisfabrylive.org. Click through today's information. You can uh, reach her website. If you've never heard her speak up for hope, that <laughs> you can see her all over the place on uh, YouTube and other places. 
And then Becky was with us a little bit ago, uh, who is co-leader of Angels of Hope and Women of Hope with Chicagoland Prison Outreach. We have a, uh, a link to that ministry as well in case you want to find out more about what they're doing and uh, how you might replicate something like that where you are or get in touch with them and just say, hey, thanks for what you're doing. And uh, maybe you could be a part of that. That's Carol Kent. That was Becky. We have more of your calls coming up straight ahead. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Are you hearing the hope that's coming through the voices of the people on the radio today? This is really, really good. If you are the parent, grandparent of someone who's incarcerated, take hope, take a little bit of humor with you. I mentioned those uh, links at the website. There's one more green button. I've been telling you about CareNet. There's a lot of people who live under condemnation for a decision that they have made in the past, an abortion, a, a choice that they made way back when. They don't like to think about, they don't like to talk about, they want to push it in a drawer and shove it away and not think about it again. And boy, I understand that. And so does CareNet. And they've got an abortion recovery and care ministry that will help you walk through that and receive the forgiveness and walk in freedom and not isolate, but be able to talk about and handle that thing that happened back there if you haven't heard about it, click the green CareNet button today at chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. Click the green CareNet button today. Thanks for doing that. A few more calls here. Rose is in Chicago. Rose, what did you want to say? Uh, hi, Chris. Uh, just about everything I wanted to say has actually been said. Uh, uh, everything huh. people are saying on your program, I am actually experiencing or have experienced experience through these two months of my grandson being incarcerated. But I just wanted to add that um, in this difficult time for me, I have, I have turned to God to better understand his ways. And in doing that, I have become so much stronger in my faith. The trials that I have gone through has taught me to relax on God's strength and not my own. I tell you, um, all I can say about my um, experience is that God has truly proven himself to me. He is so faithful because even in my going through this, when I couldn't quite deal with it in the beginning, he would always encourage me through scripture, through moody programs. Um, I'm one that goes to bed early and I get up early and I spend time with God. I read and I thank God for that because what it did, it had prepared me for what I am experiencing. I have a grandson that is incarcerated. I never expected this, never ever thought this would happen, but it has helped me because I realized, too, that God is using me. Hmm. There's no one right now, I tell my grandson, that is 
with him, but God and me. And I said, and it's God that puts me in your life to be able to minister to him because God has given me nothing but scriptures to give to him. Although he's not ready to accept them, he wants, he's always wanted to do things his way. He's always wanted to be in control. So he feels like God is not moving fast enough. But I told him, I said, first of all, you have to learn to repent. You have to repent and you have to surrender because there's so many things in his life that he has done that brought him to this. And and I'm so thankful to God that I've learned to um, pray the scriptures that I have learned because it lets me under, it helps me to understand what my grandson is going through. And it, most of all, it helps me to understand that God does not change. His mm-hmm. word is what he said it is. He said, whatsoever a man sought, that shall he reap. I had to accept that because I know the word. And I'm just thankful to God for what he's doing in my life through this. Bingo. He's changing Rose. my life in this. You know, uh, your grandson has God and he has you and that's enough. God's enough, but that he has a grandmother who cares that much. Thank you for sharing your heart today and for being open and surrendering yourself. Uh, We have time for Wayne in uh, Florida. Wayne, what did you want to say before we end today? Oh, Chris, I'm heartbroken. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. And when I've listened to all the ladies and their comments, you know, but the only thing that keeps me going in my family is the prayer life that I have. And that's what keeps me. And it gives me hope that God will bring this thing to a pass. And there will be a beautiful testimony for my son. Because God have a way to put a stumbling block because if you don't listen, God have a way to do it. And he said that who he loves, he chasing. So uh, I just leave it. I know you got to get off the air soon, but I just leave it to God. And I just ask you guys to com- uh, completely, I mean, whenever you get a chance, if you remember to pray for me and my son. I know it's not going to be easy, but I know it can be done. Let's do that. Father, thank you for Wayne and and his representation here. A lot of dads who are in the same situation, a lot of moms, grandfathers, grandmothers as well. You, I hear his heart. You know his heart. You know his son's situation, newly incarcerated. We don't know how long that's going to be, but we do know about your love and your care and your compassion and your mercy. Thank you for the people who are taking the gospel, who are the hands and feet of Jesus, who are walking into those prison cells behind the walls to give the love of God to people and those on the outside who are doing the same. Would you give Wayne real hope in you and your son? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, friend. Thanks for listening. Chris Fabry Live's production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.